there was this whole weird, bizarre train of events of like really finding my voice, really being like, I think I just landed on something and I touch on that. Mm -hmm. And it felt very significant and very weird. Like something inside of me had kind of finally come to an end. And then it was Mm -hmm. within 24 hours that that stroke happened. And so my brain kept pairing the two events. It took me months, you know, and, and, and here it is a book about trauma. And it took me months to be like, I would have like an anxiety response when I would go to write. Cause I'm like, did I, you know, all these, all the things that happen when, you know, did I bring this on myself? Did I, you know, ah, oh, and, wow. And, and then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then intellectually, you know, here I am a therapist. I'm a psychologist. I study this stuff. I read this stuff. So I was like, I need help. So I went to a therapist to get support. And she oh, was like, God. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. You're good. This is really hard. You know, you know, Brene Brown talks about when you're a therapist seeking therapy, you got to go to someone who <laughs> is a therapist, could, a therapist. Exactly. Because you're just <laughs> in there telling them, well, I can call your bluff. <laughs> and she was like, no, you're going to have to feel this. You're going to have oh. to actually move through mm. this. Right. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle and guess who's back? One of our favorites, Dr. Allison Cook. Yes, she said yes and she came back and I'm so excited. Allison, welcome. We love you so much here in this community. We eat up everything you give us with a spoon. Oh, (laughs) thank you, Janelle. I love every conversation with you. You are so (laughs) fun to talk to. You actually absorb and digest. I do. You know, you you really care and it it means a lot. It makes all the difference. I really do care. I I care too much. So I'm I'm working on that. That's my growth point recently. (laughs) But I really do think that you have really put your finger on the pulse of women in this book. Now we had you a long while ago uh, with your first book, Boundaries for the Soul. Boundaries for your soul. I never say it right. What is it? Boundaries for your soul. Your. See, right. Okay. Um, Where we talked about internal family systems. That was life-changing for me. It was just absolutely life-changing. It changed my personal growth work, my heart work, and I just started integrating it immediately into my client practice. I wanted to get certified and do all that. And I was like, I can't do this. So, but thank you. Thank you so much for that. And I cannot tell you how much uh, Boundaries for Your Soul has helped uh, men and women in my practice really um, overcome trauma. You know, mm-hmm. the most important part was just having the the guards, you know, the defenders, inside yep. of that internal family system, yep. relax yep. and take, yes. take a back seat. But today, drumroll, we are here with your new book, The Best of You. I love the way, okay, I'm just going to be an author right now. I'm just going to be a writer. The branding of this, the way you've branded, it's so beautiful. I love your website. I love your oh. Instagram. It all just makes <laughs> me want to be the best of me. So well done. 
Well done. Well, so, thank you. That's the first time I've seen the book. Oh, actually, I have not yet seen a hard copy of it. I'm like, oh, oh and well, I think it's going to have a flap. This is paperback because this is your okay. advanced reader copy. So it's not okay. hardback. Well, thanks for letting me see it. That's exciting. Well, it's, <laughs> it's super pretty. It even has um, chocolate yogurt on it because I was I love um, it. indulging with it. <laughs> I know it's, it's all marked up. It's, it's just the best. It's so easy to understand. And so I think I just herald you for that because when we are facing this humongous task of trying to find our true self, at least in my work, Allison, I I think you'll probably agree, the the brain is just overloaded and it hurts. Yeah. And so you have made this so easy on my brain. Like Mm. I'm getting it which I now know will, you know, everyone else will, because, you know, it's just so good. So you start out though, I was going to catch up with you, but we're just diving right in. We're just diving right in. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, This is a very personal book. I felt Mm -hmm. like it was very personal. I mean, the other book, of course, you co-authored with the lovely Kimberly June (laughs) Miller, but um, this was all you and it got very personal right from the very beginning. I actually okay. cried and I don't cry very much anymore. I've actually cried several times today. So I hope I'm cried out. <laughs> I don't want to cry anymore. It's just hitting me so near and dear to my heart and the hearts of many that I know need this work. Uh, you share your very personal story of standing before the mirror in your bathroom. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I was telling my husband, I mean, you just, you just couldn't move your finger. You couldn't dab the makeup on your left yeah. finger. Talk exactly. to us. What the heck? Uh, it was, it, I've never had a medical trauma. I'd never been in the hospital overnight. I'd never been, actually I was, I was in the air once for a concussion years ago, but literally I've, you know, I've never had praise be to God. So, yeah, right. Praise be to God, you know, and <laughs> I'm in my forties. I'm not that old. You know, I don't have mm-hmm. uh, risk factors for a stroke. I don't, you know, they go through every time I'm like, no, no, no. You know, um, I was wow. in the bathroom getting ready for to go out on a date with my husband and, you know, just like, you know, how you put the, the makeup do. on your index finger and you're going to, you know, you got to cover up those lines and, <laughs> <laughs> and my finger just wouldn't move, you know, I, I can't just, imagine. And, it, and I kind of describe it probably was a few seconds, but it felt like, cause it's just the weirdest feeling and you're trying to create a category for it. Is it a sleep? Is it, you know, is it, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, it registers and you realize, and then, you know, I scream for my husband and then all of a sudden I hear myself slurring, you know, oh, my, no. my voice is coming out, you know, so then, and then I'm like on the ground and, you know, and, and pretty quickly my husband and I, ironically, my dad, who is age appropriate, you know, late seventies had had a stroke a few years ago. Mm, so we had yeah. a sense of the signs. Sure. Um, not that it's age appropriate, but what I mean by that is much more no, statistically, no. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, any, you know, so anyway, and there was no genetic factor in his, so it wasn't a genetic thing, but anyway, all that to say, yes, it was terrifying and, and truly a trauma. And the irony yes. is of the juxtaposition of what I write about in the introduction, Janelle, is that it really is true that the day before I had written this post and I didn't get to go into a lot of detail about this in the intro because we were trying to make it work. I as know, much, darn it. We want it. We want it so bad. You know, I, I know my, my editor kept saying, I love my editor. She's, <sighs> she's just lovely. And she was like, let's, this is, there's a whole nother book here. 
Mm-hmm. But let's just cue it up here. Oh, good. But okay. Because there, there was this whole weird, bizarre train of events of like really finding my voice, really being like, I think I just landed on something and I touch on that. Mm-hmm. And it felt very significant and very weird. Like something inside of me had kind of finally come to an end. And then it was mm-hmm. within 24 hours that that stroke happened. And so my brain kept pairing the two events. It took me months, you know, and, and, and here it is a book about trauma. And it took me months to be like, I would have like an anxiety response when I would go to write. Cause I'm like, did I, you know, all these, all the things that happen when, you know, did I bring this on myself? Did I, you know, ah, and, Oh, and, wow. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then intellectually, you know, here I am a therapist. I'm a psychologist. I study this stuff. I write this stuff. So I was like, I need help. So I went to a therapist to get support. And she oh, was like, God. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. You're good. This is really hard. You know, you know, Brene Brown talks about when you're a therapist seeking therapy, you got to go to someone who <laughs> so it's a therapist to therapist. <laughs> exactly. Because you're just in there telling them, well, I can call your bluff. <laughs> and she was like, no, you're going to have to feel this. You're going to have oh. to actually move through mm. this. Right. So anyway, sorry. long story short, I'm it was, sorry. It was a, it was this surreal process of having to go on my own healing journey at the very beginning of writing this book. I would suspect. Yeah. I want to, you know, I just want to dig right into there, (laughs) but you said that in that time, you've always, you've already just said it was a whole lot going on in your head, but you did hear God speak some questions, but one very big defining question yeah. And, and share that divining question. Yeah. Yeah. A few months into it, I, I started asking God questions. I started making a list because what I noticed <laughs> in that moment, it was in the moment, a, a dry, my husband was careening down. We were in a little town in Wyoming, careening down Main Street. And I remember in that moment being like, I, I don't, uh, uh, what does God promise? Like, what, what are my guarantees here, God? Because yeah. I, and you were thinking thing, that. I get to this in chapter three, but my husband is a widower. Yes, He'd already lost exactly a wife. Right. Yeah. My two kids already lost a mom. So oh, I was, I'm, I'm in that car going, God, I know pain have, I'm like, God doesn't promise. Like oh, this yeah, man has already been through way I was too close. Thinking about myself. I was like, oh. he's already been through a tragedy, tragedy. My kids, like God, I was, I was already to the bargaining stage, you know, of the, sure. of the, yes. of the you know, I was like, yes. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't do uh, that. But, no. but I know intellectually that sometimes. So anyway, I, I sat wow. out on this series of questions that I just had to reopen and, and, and re-examine from a place of having gone through this. And it was a few months in and I found myself, my husband and I went away for a week and I had mm. taken a sabbat. I took a sabbatical from my practice. I so stopped writing. Did basically just took a couple months and I was physically okay, but, um, mm-hmm. we didn't know. And we didn't know why, you know, there was a lot mm-hmm. of, and, um, yeah, I was out, I, I write about it. I was out in a hayfield and, and just kind of like, kind of the overwhelming question was, what is it that you want yeah. from me? Because I, I don't know, like, am I supposed to, and it touched on my own childhood wound of mm. it's better to stay hidden. Yes. 
and I, I get it, nothing about it, but, but somehow it resurrected that old childhood wound of, should what I just crawl earth? up in a corner and stay hidden? Because wow. if you start to live, it just hurts too much. That's so and powerful, Allison. I just so thank you that, so much for sharing. Yeah, yeah, that's where that question to God was, what is it that you want from me, from this life, genuinely? He's asking you that. It's, well, it started with me asking you asking God. him. Okay. And what I gently heard mm. back was a nudge of what do you, it brings tears to my eyes. I know. What do you want? What do you <sighs> want with this life you, you still have and that you've been given? And it was just like, oh, mm, goodness. and that was kind of the culmination of everything that I'd been learning the last 20 years and that ended up in this book. Yeah. And are you in this uh, hayfield screaming this to God? Um, Quietly just kind of walking around. Um, I just, I'd love to visually, because it's, that's a defining moment. There's no doubt about it. Like you, you're there. You're like, I'm done. I know that you are a public figure and you're an author and all that. And you do, you know, have, um, a mission here on this planet, but I understand that conflict, you know, that's heavy conflict. That's like, what the heck just happened in my life? Yeah. Yes. Yes. What, and, mm-hmm. and what, what do you, what oh God, it's kind of like surrender. What, yeah. I, I, I'm, and, and, and the irony of the answer was, you know, all my life I had tried to make myself small, tried to stay hidden, tried to bury talents in the name. And that's what the whole book is about in the name of sacrificing for God. And so what's what the irony in God's answer was, what do you want? What do you want? Right? What do you want? Very much like I know you. I know I know. I love that you said that. I know you. I see you. I know you. I got you. Yeah, you're here. So what do you want? And and it was, it, I don't think that's the same thing God would have said to me 20 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. This was based in a relationship. That's correct. And the maturation of, of that having, relationship and the timing yeah. of, yeah, for sure. The timing yeah. of your work, the timing of your family, yeah. all of the, yeah. the, the Kairos yeah. moments have led up yeah. to this Kairos moment, right? So yeah. Yeah. you mentioned, and it's such a significant uh, part of the opening of the book, um, what, where I always like to call them fatal footholds where the enemy gets his toe in the door or his whole foot in the door in our life, in our childhood. And uh, that's where he starts to oppress. And he just, he looks for that. He looks for those spots, right? And if he can get his little toe in the door, then he's got a foothold in our life. And that happened to you sixth grade, I think. You tell us that about was the that. earliest memory. Yeah, yeah there's that's many true. of them. And they, you know, in my story, you know, they're, they feel so minor, you know, as a therapist, I, I hear just these amazing, uh, not amazing, but just, ah, like, wow. Yeah. How are and you mine, standing? Right. Mine more fit in that category of the thousands of tiny paper cuts, right. That lead to these wounds, but there's a lot of them in this category. And this was the first one, which was just this, I, I couldn't, I, I mean, I, I could not see myself in comparison to other people. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, and so in that moment as a sixth grade, it was a, it was a play in sixth grade and I got <laughs> the role that I really wanted. And I had these kind of bold brush dreams. I wanted to be the queen of heart. I got the role. It was great. It was Alice in Wonderland. It, came, it was amazing. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. The minute it came to kind of inhabit the character, I just crumbled. Oh. 
And I looked at everybody around me. Every other girl could do was doing it perfectly. That's fascinating. And I couldn't do it. And and there was mm. no. I mean, it. And I just crumbled. And you know, it 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 lodged. And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't. You know, as we we say yeah. with trauma, any whether it's a little t trauma or a big t trauma, mm-hmm. we don't when we don't get the care at the side. Unwitnessed, of the you say it took my breath away when you said mm-hmm. that in the book. It's an unwitnessed, unwitnessed pain. I, it took yeah. my breath away. I put the book down. I looked at my husband. I was like, I think she wrote this. And this is amazing. There's no quotes around it. Yeah. Unwitnessed yeah. pain. We had a we had a very rich con because we both come from childhood yeah. traumas. And I said, we we had such a rich conversation about that. It was very healing just in having a conversation. So thank you. And I think it's gonna be that way for many, many people, that unwitnessed part. Right. Yes. And the, and Dr. Gabor Mate in his mm. film, The Wisdom of Traumas, that, that's where I, I mean, he informed me so much, but because that his movie. whole thing is the quote that he says is children aren't trauma, traumatized because they get hurt. Yeah. They're traumatized because they're alone I know. with oh, the God. hurt. I know. Right. And that I was know. where it kind of, it was like, an, oh, it's, it's, it's the unwitnessing. It's, when someone mm-hmm. comes alongside of you and names what happens and helps yes. you create. And then I always bring in Kurt Thompson stuff about shame. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in the absence of that, we create sh- shame comes in. It does. Right and away. shame says, why bother? I, I'm not worthy of taking up space on this planet. Mm-hmm. And those wounds fester for years. They do. And they build on they each do. other, you know, until yeah. we can start to bring them into the light of healing. And you write that you took on a bravado effect, you know, it was like, oh, no big deal. And you diminished all of those things. But sixth grade, Allison, what the heck? Like, where, where did that come from? And you, there's so much in this book. I have five pages of questions and notes and we're not going to get to them. So everyone has to buy this book and we just may um, talk about it more and more as when it comes out in September. But so sixth grade, you bring into the book epigenetics, childhood trauma, and then the lineage of trauma that's passed down. We talk a lot about that here. Mm -hmm. Trauma is something I'm very um, passionate about helping Mm -hmm. and understanding. And this book brings so much, oh, it's so digestible. Mm -hmm. It's just so digestible the way that you you write about it, share about it, and it's going to be so helpful so w- would you say that may have been something emotionally passed down in the DNA? How do we know? We don't really know these things, but sixth grade, maybe you just had a freeze moment and it stuck. Yeah, there were some legacy burdens there, um, you know, and some family dynamics that led to this sort of cocktail that I talk about in the book of feeling oh, unseen, yeah. of, of not knowing how to inhabit but that's why I call it a cocktail in the book, mm-hmm. because it's not just our childhood wounds. There's church messages. And then there's cultural conditioning, especially yes, for you women. you have a trifecta there. Yeah. That all kind of come together. And then I look at my life and I'm like, you know, we look at our moms, our grandmas. I mean, when were they taught how to have a voice? Mm-hmm. They weren't. <laughs> they were not. So even, even when they did their best, mm-hmm. how did they not have? to teach you know I was right in that generation where it was like we were supposed to have a voice but our our parents didn't yeah. know how to teach us how to have a voice no 
you know? And so I was in that yeah. weird generation, right? My parents sent me off to an Ivy league school from a tiny town, Wow! but it wasn't like, like my husband will say, well, well, didn't, didn't you think you would have a career? And I'm like, no, I thought I'd get married. I mean, nobody, oh, you know, oh, it was, oh. it was still that weird generation and that's sure. Christian culture too. So you got yes. to bring the Christian overlay. Oh. Like it, it wasn't, yeah, you can be smart, but like there was no guidance. Oh, no. no like, Mm-mm. and, and you know what I'm saying? It's just sort of like, I Mm-mm. knew. So it was confusing because mm-hmm. you kind of yeah. had some of the surface level. I know to go to school or I can get decent grades and on the surface, but on the inside, I had no sense Mm-mm. of what it means to inhabit uh, a self, a person. Wow. Wow, it's fascinating to me. It really yeah. is because you present, you know, now today, right? Of course. So high functioning. I always say I, I have a specialty in high functioning uh, anxiety. You know, I can specialize in it myself because that it's it just. I mean, I can't. There's no other word. Gobsmacks me, and a bar yeah. from our British friends that we can be so high functioning yet have no clue who we are. None. 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 Zippo. <laughs> so what do we do? So what do we do? So you. I'm going to just, you, you had this experience in sixth grade. You decided it's just better if I shrink, if I disappear, if I become invisible, I can see you in that hay field. Like, where are you on your journey now? Like where, how, when have you developed this understanding of your true self? Let's define that first. Let's define true self. I've done it a lot on here, but I love the way you say it. Oh. I mean, I, I just, I define it. It is a lofty term, right? It's like defining God, God, let's define God, right? Like the true (laughs) self, you know, is, um, I just define it simply as, as an, as an awareness of your own strengths, your gifts, your talents, your, your limitations, your blind spots. Mm -hmm. It's a humble self-awareness. And that to me in the last two years, since the stroke has been, I write it in the, the last line of my acknowledgments is is the, mm. the biggest surprise of my life in the last years is, is the, a soul that is known. And by known, oh. I don't just mean by God, I mean by me, yes. too, both of us. And and it's knowing. And, and so it's not, true self is not this static identity that's like, this mm-hmm. is who I am. It's a, that's a persona. That's not yes. a true self. A true, the true self is a living and breathing. It's a living and breathing soul. But it's, it's this is, this is, kind of how I've taken myself to be, including there is a blind spots, including the growth areas, including the wounds that are still healing, mm-hmm. including the, but I kind of, I kind of don't have secrets from myself. I don't feel like two different people Ooh, Wow! all through my twenties and thirties. I felt the divide. I knew yeah. the performer, mm-hmm. the producer, the pleaser, the one everybody thought was so Top notch, on, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. You, you Just what you said. And the inside of me that mm-hmm. was lost, confused, yeah. Yeah. lonely. All I knew the divide. I, I knew the divide, but I just thought that was life. Normal. Right. Exactly. And yeah. And now I would say there's no divide. It's just this like I'll, I'll look out my window and look at the mountains in the morning and just mm-hmm. be like, here I am. You know, and, and it came right out of that, that season with the stroke of just, cause I'd lost everything too. You know, I'd lost all the external things during yeah. that season. Yeah. And, and so it was God and me and, and, and the spaciousness and of, and being known. And I was like, hmm. that peace, you know, I talk in the, a lot of the, toward the end, what it means to be at peace with yourself. And I think that mm-hmm. has to do with mm-hmm. 
understanding the truth of yourself, even the parts of your story that are still, I still struggle with inner tension between, man, I've got a book coming out. You do. I'm I'm promoting it. I'm marketing it. And there are parts of me that are like, that's bad. You know, and I got to do all this work to be like, negotiate. It's okay. Deep Uh breath. I know how to do the work now. I know how to do the work. I know how to name it. I know how to much more quickly kind Mm -hmm. of be like, okay, God. (laughs) Heartlifters, we're going to take a pause here and we're going to end part one with part two coming your way next week. My initial, whole initial purpose for this podcast in its infancy was to provide my clients with information in between their sessions. And when I have these amazing guests on, Dr. Allison Cook is amazing. And we're so, we're so blessed to have her wisdom with us and hear her story. And I, I just don't want to rush through these episodes. I want them to be teaching, teaching uh, moments for you. Maybe you have your own therapist, counselor, coach. That's great. I offer this to you as a time of learning and growing and developing that growth mindset that we're so eager to have in our lives. So I just want us to concentrate on a part of Allison's new book, The Best of You, on pages 80 and 81. It's called Quieting the Ego, because right there at the end, she talked about how she is now in her life able to negotiate and name the things that need to be uh, part of her new nature far more easily than she used to. And that is our goal, isn't it? You know, the Apostle Paul tells us to put off the old man and put on the new man, put off the old woman, put on the new woman. And here, Allison is trying to help us really identify our true self, know ourself inside and out, so that when challenges come our way, we can easier navigate and negotiate and name the things that need to be dealt with and the new part of our nature to be activated. So she calls this section quieting the ego. We haven't talked a lot about the ego in our time here, so I thought it would be very beneficial to add to the conversation part of her book, Quieting the Ego. She writes, have you ever had these types of thoughts flash through your mind? Do not show that weakness. You must get their approval. You can't let them see the real you. She's doing that better than you, you know. And as I wrote in Stronger Every Day, that one overarching question, you know, if I show my true self to anyone, they're really not going to like me. They're not going to approve me. She writes, what is the common denominator within these statements? Ego. Living in service of ego is exhausting. Ego is the part of us that if left unfettered, leads us toward the worst of who we are. Ego is completely in service of self-preservation. Furthermore, ego is fragile and shows you who you are only through, this is important, lean in here, it shows you who you are only through the mirror of comparison with other people. 
ego constantly scans the environment to determine how what you want stacks up against what other people will think. The voice of ego is sneaky. For example, it might be aware that you really want people to think you're smart. At the same time, it knows that your friends might judge you if you brag about your accomplishments. So ego comes up with a solution. It prompts you to humble brag, allowing you to satisfy your urge for attention while appearing as if you don't care. Don't get me wrong, we need to protect ourselves socially to some degree. But here's the problem. When your ego is in charge, instead of showing up authentically, you work to manage the perceptions of other people. Living according to your ego keeps you trapped in creating a false version of yourself within the armor of invisibility. And I add that false version of yourself is your persona. It's your personality. It's how you want to show up for life and you want other people to see who you are. It's something you create. God created your essence, your truest self. Now, of course, your personality will shine. Your your persona, it's okay to have that. It's not like it's a bad thing. We just want to be true to who we really are. She continues, you stay stuck trying to earn their approval instead of focusing on the more important work of staying true to the person God made you to be. I wrote a note in my book, how do I stay true to that person right here, to that person God made me to be? She writes, it's the opposite of freedom, and it does not get you the authentic relationships you crave. The voice of ego is further amplified by the world around us. It's magnified exponentially by social media, where numbers and likes tell us who's okay. It comes from trendy churches that replicate the high school popularity game by curating an in-group and putting them on stage. It comes from gurus who pitch their unique story as something that could be yours, too. Instead of encouraging you to see yourself through God's mirror, they hold themselves up as the mirror, essentially saying, you should be like me. We live in a world now that's crazed by influencers, right? We really are losing the true meaning of influence. She continues, these messages tap into the wounded places deep within our souls, the parts of us that have bought the lie that we're not as good as other people. Ego tells us that the way to finally feel good is to work for their approval. But there's a catch. (laughs) When you construct an identity based on comparison to others, you not only hurt yourself, you also stop seeing them accurately. Unknowingly, you put someone else on a pedestal they have no business being on. Oh my goodness. This is so timely and rich. She writes, instead of doing your own work, you fixate on the lives and work of other people. Ego sits on your shoulder and whispers, she's better than you. You should be who she is. 
If you look for it, you'll see that this voice has been with you most of your life. It's the part of you that surveys the landscape and tells you how amazing everybody else is. As a child, this voice likely got loud right around middle school. If no one helped you learn how to quiet this voice and find a truer path, ego can stay loud within you as you enter adulthood. That's a very important statement there. If no one helped you learn how to quiet this voice and find a truer path, Ego can stay loud within you as you enter adulthood. The key, and we'll close with this, the key to quieting the voice of ego is to become aware of it. Awareness allows for what psychologists call differentiation. So I'm introducing a lovely new term to you, and I'm so excited to do so because when we grow, when we learn these incredible mental health and emotional health tools, we grow spiritually, and that leads us to spiritual maturity. Differentiation is a process of separating your true self from a thought or feeling you are having. When you differentiate from a thought or feeling inside your mind, you can observe it. So here's the secret. This is what Allison was saying she had learned to negotiate with herself how to name it, how to negotiate, how to navigate it. She has learned to differentiate a thought or feeling inside of her mind and observe it and learn more about the story it is telling you. Is this a story from past wounding? Is it one that's no longer serving you? Is it possible that it's time to create a different story? And I want to add here something that I learned um, recently is that sometimes we have to differentiate if that thought or feeling has been projected on us by someone else, someone trying to maybe live their life through us, like a mother, a father, who knows, a sibling. You have to differentiate, wait a minute, is this my true voice? And I do have several podcast episodes that help you find your true voice, help you find it. And remember, you know what I'm going to say. In this community, we equate voice with our value, our worth, and our dignity, which is our God-breathed truest self. So learning to identify and differentiate all of these voices, these thoughts, these feelings that enter our mind is that my ego's voice Or is that my true voice? And over all of it, is it God's voice? Which if you want to really enter into how to do that more, you can lean into John 10. There's beautiful verses in there on how to really hear God's voice. She continues and we close. As you become aware of ego's voice, you can learn to gently counter it with God's help. And she gives a chart on page 82. One side of the chart is voice of ego, and one side of the chart is voice of the best of you. And I will, with her permission, put that in our show notes. Do not show that weakness. That's the voice of ego. My tenderness is a gift. That's the voice of the best of you. You must get their approval. I'm living from integrity. I know who I am and I know who I am. You can't let them see the real you. I want to be known as I really am. 
Boy, I think that's such a strong intention to do some aroma freedom with. She's doing better than you. No one can take my place. Oh, heartlifters, that's right up our alley, isn't it? So what I would like you to do before we get to part two next week, I would love for you to prepare your heart and do some thinking in your body of how to really identify your true self. And so Allison offers these two little exercises on page 93 of her book, The Best of You. Find a picture of yourself as a young child. What do you feel toward that young child? If you notice anything other than curiosity or compassion, turn your attention to those feelings and get curious about them instead. Where do you think those other feelings came from? So she's asking you to identify because she wants us to speak to ourselves with tenderness. Yes, we know that. We've we've been students of that here in this community, to have self-compassion. So if the words or the thoughts that are coming to you aren't based in a curiosity or a compassion, then they're being, they've been spoken over you from another source. They're negative. They're hard. They're shaming. And then turn back to that picture of the younger you and reflect on how God sees her. As someone who is beautifully and wonderfully made, what is it like to become aware of that younger version of you through the eyes of love, care, and compassion? I think those are beautiful exercises to add to our repertoire of mental health and emotional health tools. So I will see you next week. Be sure, be sure to affirm yourself, set your intentions, and speak healing words to your true self. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.